There. Okay. Oh, and here comes the cat, just in time. Hope he doesn't. Hooray for Robin! <laughs> I was gonna say, hope he doesn't fart on me like he did while we were recording Two Broke Geeks. Do it, stinky Do it, bastard! <laughs> fart, fart into his microphone. How dare you, sir? <laughs> this is the FBI's most unwanted. I'm Matt. I'm Justin. All right, and today we are going to be talking about, uh, said it last episode, one of the most famous and infamous episodes of The X-Files, Season 4, Episode 2, Home, directed by Kim Manners, and it is the return of Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who left after the second season to work on other TV shows and then came back to The X-Files with, uh, with this piece and uh boy it is a hell of a return <laughs> um, uh yeah it is yeah you weren't kidding when you were you're telling me about it nope not even a little bit uh it uh originally aired october 11th 1996 and as we discussed in the last episode it came out uh very shortly before the arrival of the TV ratings system and the warnings for graphic content. It, it just missed that. Um, it would have actually been the first episode and the only episode to receive it at the time. Um, because it was, uh, it is violent. Although I think at the time it's violence was a little bit overplayed. Um, but, you know, for, for regular TV in 1996, it was pretty violent. And the themes of the thing are pretty disturbing. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'll give you a little background on it. Yeah, it's got... uh, basically, oh, no, what go ahead. I got immediately from it was The Hills Have Eyes. Yep, a little bit. And uh, actually, a lot of critics compared it to uh, the work of Toby Hooper as well. Yeah, oh, totally. I could see that. Yeah, a little bit of uh, Texas Chainsaw in there. Um, so, yeah, the background on this is pretty interesting. Uh, Morgan and Wong had had some uh, weird ideas rolling around from other sources that they hadn't been able to piece into a full story right away. The first one, and boy, I tell you, the, the sources for this story are a little bit weird. Uh, one of them... Uh, is a 1992 documentary film called Brothers Keeper, which tells the story of the Wards, who were four, quote, uh, quote, barely literate brothers who lived on a farm that had been passed on through their family for generations. And they drew international attention following the alleged murder of William Ward by his brother, Delbert. Uh, Delbert's estimated IQ was 68. 
which is astoundingly Ugh. low. Yeah. Um, and Delbert claimed that police had tricked him into uh, confessing that he killed his brother during his interrogation. So the, the Peacock family is based on the wards. Uh, and then more inspiration came from a story in Charlie Chaplin's autobiography. Interestingly enough. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Charlie Chaplin in that, in his autobiography, he was, he tells a story. He was touring with a musical theater production and he stayed at a miners tenement home in Wales and the host introduced him to a disfigured and legless na- man named Gilbert who slept in a kitchen cupboard. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So that <laughs> that plays into this. And uh, Glenn Morgan incorrectly recalled the story uh, as a totally limbless boy who was kept under a bed. So, yeah. Um, and he didn't it, even have a fun name like Matt or Lean or I, I don't know. <laughs> other, I was trying to think of other names of like, it's like that joke where it's like, what do you call a legless cow ground beef or something like that? I've got a, uh, I haven't thought of this joke in so long, but I just thought of it and I'm going to tell it since we're talking about armless legless people. There once was a woman who had had a very long history of poor relationships with men. She had been abused by men. She had had men run out on her and she was at her wits end and she put out an ad for, uh, oh, and she also, she, she had very poor sexual experiences. And so she put out a personal ad that said, you know, looking for love, uh, must be a man who will never beat me, never run away and who is good in bed. And a lot of time went by and she didn't get any uh, responses to her ad that seemed interesting. But finally, she started communicating with a guy that seemed interesting. So she invited him over. And one day her doorbell rang when she was expecting him. And she opened the door and she was very surprised because there on her porch was a man with no arms and no legs. And she, he goes, she, she's like, oh, oh, uh, wow. And he goes, well, no, here's the thing. Like, I meet all your requirements. I don't have any arms, so I can't beat you up. I don't have any legs, so I can't run away. And she says, well, what about being good in bed? And the man smiles and says, how do you think I rang the doorbell? (laughs) (laughs) It's a terrible joke. Hell (laughs) yeah. That's a terrible joke. Anyway. (laughs) For some reason, I half expected you to, like, use the conductor joke. Oh, no. I wasn't. no, No. No, no. Um, <laughs> of course, uh, let's see, uh, blah, 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 blah. I lost my place. I was talking. Oh, um, so I'll get into some of the filming, uh, a little bit. Cause it's also got a lot of interesting behind the scenes stuff. Uh, it was filmed like most of the, or like the rest of the fourth season, it was filmed in, in British Columbia, not in the U S. Um, so they filmed this in a little town called Surrey and the building that they used as the Peacock house had actually been utilized in the season two episode Aubrey, but they liked it so much. They were like, we got to go back and use that house again. So they did. And 
Then uh, Tucker Smallwood, who guest stars as Sheriff Andy Taylor, which is funny. Um, he, and it's actually weird. It's so weird that he was in this because like three or four days ago, I just watched an episode of Star Trek Voyager that he was in as well. So that's the second time I've seen that actor in a couple days. Um, he came in and he had really no idea what the X-Files was about. And, um, so he was like, huh, when he got the script and during his first day on set, he asked some of the other cast and crew, like, is it always like this violent and dark? And one of the crew members said to him, this is awful even for us. (laughs) So there was that. Yeah. Um, and Smallwood insisted on doing his own stunts during uh, a certain scene where he has to do, you know, fighting. Uh, And he did until he went to do a dive and he hit his head. And then he said another uncomfortable (laughs) moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then he said another uncomfortable moment for him involved having to lay face down in a pool of fake blood for more than 90 minutes. You're an actor. Uh, you know. It wouldn't be fun to lay face down in I a mean, pool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be. I mean, if I did for a job, yeah. I mean, I'm like, well, I'm going to have to get used to this. Sure. Overall, it's just. I yeah. Just, no. <laughs> uh, the song Wonderful Wonderful by musician Johnny Mathis appears in the episode. Uh, but Johnny Mathis was uh, sent the script when they were trying to get permission to use the song, and he told them no, uh, because he thought the uh, he just <laughs> thought the script was uh, not suitable to be associated with, and so they got a sound alike and they recorded their own cover version, which they could <laughs> fool me. I'm not super. All right, there's one way to get about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Johnny Mathis, but I have heard that song before, like, out in the wild. They could have fooled me. I wouldn't have known that it wasn't him. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, Kim Manners said he wanted to use the song because, quote, certain songs like Wonderful Wonderful have a creepy, icky quality that none of us have ever really openly acknowledged. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and here's where some more darkness comes in. Home was originally submitted to the censors featuring audio of the baby screaming while being buried alive. And the censors said, oh, God. yes. And the censors said, no, you have to alter that. So the baby sounds sick. So that the audio would clearly denote that the child already wasn't going to survive anyway. (laughs) Um, Um, And Kim Manners called the shot uh, shown from the perspective of the baby being buried alive the most awful of his career. Yeah, I wonder why. It's a baby being buried. Yeah. Ooh, so, oh, let's get, oh boy. Uh, also, it's it's been heavily uh, reviewed over the years because uh, it kind of, the 
the episode is sort of a commentary, uh, a satire on this idea of traditional family values and uh, the world encroaching on small town America. There's a there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff that's been written about. I'm not going to go into it necessarily, but people can uh, if they want to. There's been a lot of interesting stuff written about this episode in terms of like what it represents. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, basically let's get into it. The episode, uh, begins with a deformed woman surrounded by three deformed men giving birth to a baby during a thunderstorm. And the deformed men carry the unseen child out into the field and buried alive, as we just said. <sighs> there's there's no way to get around that. That's how fucked it opens. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's how it opens. <laughs> and I'm going to last. God, I like this episode, but not a lot of stuff makes me uncomfortable. This episode makes me uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> home is... <laughs> Home is not a, like, makes me, like, as good as this episode is, and I won't hide the fact that it is good, and I do like it, I don't watch it that much, because it's not like, hey, I want to watch the X-Files, I know, I'll watch Home. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Um, So feel good. Honey, get the popcorn. We're going to watch Home. <laughs> yeah, it is set in the small town of Home, Pennsylvania. That's that's part of where the title comes from. And the rest of it we'll, we'll talk about as the episode goes on. Uh, but uh, immediate, the, the next day, or uh, some kids are out playing a game of Sandlot Baseball. And um, one of the kids... They they didn't bury the baby very deep, and the kid like steps up to the the plate or whatever to to pitch or I can't remember if it was the kid pitching or the kid at bat, but uh, blood starts to pool around his foot and uh, a, a little baby it's hand. The batter because I spent the whole time thinking, oh god, the home plate's gonna like start moving. <laughs> yeah, and there's actually like, on a little. Its own. <laughs> There's a, a little hint of the Sandlot in here where uh, the kid, uh, before that kid has the blood pooling around his feet, you know, they smack the ball and it goes over the fence and they're like, oh God, it went into the Peacock's yard and they, they won't go get the baseball uh, because instead of the beast, it's three inbred violent motherfuckers. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they call... Mulder and Scully for some reason, uh, because, well, we, we come to find out that the, it's a small town, uh, Mulder and Scully show up and, uh, weirdly Mulder is very distracted by the baseball and the fact that it is a small town he would like to live in when he doesn't live in the, and Scully, he's like doing all these fun, fancy moves, like enjoying himself with the baseball instead of uh, investigating, you know, the, the murdered baby, uh, which is weird. And, uh, Scully is like trying to tell him details. And finally she realizes he's not paying attention to her at all. And she goes, and in other news, I've quit the FBI and am now a spokesperson for the ab roller. Uh, and you know, Scully and Mulder says, (laughs) uh, 
this episode tries to be funny in a couple places and it it does come off as a little considering the rest of the episode like i suppose maybe they had to try and put some levity in there somewhere but this part has always been weird to me where scully says you know Mulder says he'd like to live there and scully says really it'd be like living in mayberry and then the sheriff comes and his name is andy taylor you know, Andy Griffith show, Mayberry, Andy Taylor. Oh, and, and by the way, later we find out his deputy is Barney, although not Barney Fife, Barney, Barney Pastor, but still, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that's part of the satirical part that a lot of people have hit on about like this idealized small town America because boy, you try to watch the Andy Griffith show and you're like, life was literally never like this. <laughs> like, Yeah, and I mean, later on in this episode, just from the inbred motherfuckers, uh, it's like dialogue that they say of the brief dialogue they have, mm-hmm. as well as like the same thing, this same thing keeps popping up all the time of like, they are not going to change family values in such, in our small little community. Everything... Like even mm-hmm. the even the deputy and that, even the sheriff's just like, this is the day that everything changes and I don't want it to change. Yeah, uh, I could actually, boy, uh, I could go on a whole rant here about current political things and the idea of family values and uh, oh, I, I I don't know, like uh, not letting trans kids do, uh, gender affirming surgeries and, and not speaking about, uh, sexual orientation in school. But, uh, but boy, I, I can't imagine those things ever really happening in real life. Like, no, no. <laughs> I know. Right. Poor woman that has to have an abortion and it costs her $1,500 and it has, it's illegal in certain areas, states. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh God. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So Andy Taylor, basically the, the peacock boys are all like boys. They're men, but they call them the peacock boys. (laughs) Peacock boys. When you say say, like the peacock boys, it just makes me think of a West side story style kind of gang. The beagle boys. The beagle boys. (laughs) Ducktails. Um, they're, they're kind of watching, they're keeping their eye on and Mulder's basically like, Hey, what about those guys? And Scully's like, yeah, did anybody talk to them? And the sheriff's like, uh, look, um, they're, uh, well, how do I put this? See the, the peacocks, they built that house during the civil war. And they've always lived there ever since the the Peacock family and it doesn't have electricity and they raise hogs and they grow their own food and they breed their own stock, if you know what I mean. Wink, 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 which means they fuck their own family. <laughs> Although a lot of people watch that on Pornhub these days. <laughs> <laughs> they have catchy titles okay uh, um i mean what who said that what um so he implies you know that they've been inbreeding for generations and that 
the victim they dug out of the ground technically couldn't count as technically didn't seem like it was human. So they go back to the sheriff's office and they get the baby out of the fridge and he puts them in the bathroom to investigate it because it's such a small town. They don't even have like a lab. Um, and Scully unwraps the corpse and it is, she, she says it basically has every birth defect. She can point out stuff from almost every birth defect she can think of. Uh, it doesn't look like a person, but she does determine that it was buried alive and therefore it counts as murder. Um, yeah, because they found like dirt inhale in, in like signs that dirt was inhaled. Yeah, uh, by the baby. Because Mulder, Mulder initially it was like made me laugh. Yeah. Well, oh, I was just... Say, they just made me laugh how they pulled the baby out of the fridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then Mulder and Scully they go outside, and they have kind of this nice conversation about this idea of like parenthood where Scully says, can you imagine like how awful it must be for, uh, uh, you know, uh, a woman who's pregnant to put all her hopes and dreams and expecting this baby and have, you know, that come out and be so horrified that she has to like bury it in the dirt. Cause at this time they, they are assuming that it's just like a regular old run of the mill type murder, where just the baby was born wicked, wicked sick. And the woman who had it was like normal and just buried it to, to get rid of it because she didn't want to take care of it. Um, and so Scully says, you know, th there's just some back and forth between Mulder and Scully about parenthood and the need to breed and stuff like that. And, uh, it comes around to Scully just kind of trying to imagine herself being in that situation. And Mulder says something about, you know, Scully until this moment, I never thought of you as a mother. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what came after they went to the, uh, mm -hmm. Oh, she sent off some samples of the baby to be like sent to the laboratory and stuff like that. Um, well, because they realized it was murder, they then decide. Well, I guess we gotta go talk to uh, uh, gotta go talk to the peacocks. Yeah. Oh, and I I forgot <clears throat> something important because Scully says something during that conversation they're having. Scully mentions that the only way the baby could be that uh, fucked up is because of inbreeding. But earlier, the sheriff had said that the peacock's mother and father had probably been killed in a car crash. And Scully was like, what do you mean? Probably. He goes, well, uh, there was a car crash and the boys came and like took the corpse, took the, took their parents away, dragged them home back to their house. And we haven't seen the parents since. So we just assume that they're dead. And so Scully says, so it couldn't be the peacocks, uh, with all that inbreeding 
because they're an all male household. There's no, there's no women over there. There's no sister, no mother or anything like that. And Mulder is the one who says, well, what about if they like kidnapped and raped a woman? Because you're talking about the, the need to procreate and everything like that. What if they're just like keeping a woman in the house somewhere? And that's when they go to decide to see the peacocks because they think yeah. maybe there's a woman there that is being held against her will for breeding purposes. Um, so they go there, but there's nobody in the house. Um, and they're walking around and they find blood and they find scissors and they find a shovel and they're like, okay, this baby definitely came from here. Uh, they definitely buried it, but like, we don't know, like, we're going to have to look for them. And it's at this point we we realize that there is somebody in the house. We don't see who they are, but we can see like some eyes and stuff, and we know somebody's listening. And they're talking about the sheriff I will and everything. Probably some of the creepiest like camera work. Yeah. Uh, for like a just a television show. Yeah, this the 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 camera work, this is directed really well by Kim Manners. Like it is uh, when when people compared it to The Hills Have Eyes and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like it really does look like those movies, even though it's like a network TV show. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that night, uh, because you know the, the Mulder and Scully were in their house, and because the sheriff invited them to town because he didn't want to do the investigating because like you said, the sheriff was like, I, I always like, I loved living here because it was a small town, you know, good values. Everybody knows each other. I don't even carry a gun, but I knew someday something terrible would happen in the outside world would come to, you know, would come home. And, you know, so he invited Mulder and Scully in, they went into the house, the peacocks go and just murder the shit out of the sheriff and his wife. Um, it's a freak. First of all, the whole scene leading up to it, where they get in their Cadillac and play the that song, play wonderful, wonderful, and just yeah, drive by, and you're like, yeah, and you're just like, uh, it was really beautifully shot. How you didn't really know exactly where they were gonna go. No, and they had like a lot of red herrings of like M Scully realizing Mulder's door doesn't lock. Uh, yeah, and like the sheriff. The sheriff just getting into bed with his with his wife, and then Scully getting into bed, and everyone having a hard time sleeping. You're like, okay, where are they going to show up? Like, someone's about to get it. Yeah, and um, they kind of hint in this scene at something that comes up later, because you know they cut they they bust into the sheriff's house and they're trying to rough him up, and the sheriff is like hitting them across the knees and everything like this, and they're just not going down. And, um, well, that'll come back later, but basically they brutalize the crap out of him and the, it, you know, and his wife and also just a very scary scene of his wife, just under the bed, listening to her husband getting murdered. And then one of the, you know, just the pair of legs and feet coming over and just overturning the bed, just flipping the bed over with her underneath it, you know, cause he knows that she's under there. Um, yeah, 
And the sheriff finds him the next morning and Mulder and Scully go in and you just, you realize just how brutalized he's been. Cause Mulder's like, geez, his chest is like one big hematoma and there's still like pieces of wood embedded in his skull because they were attacking him with like clubs or a baseball bat or, or something what's left of it. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So they are like, all right, uh, now we got to figure out, oh, well, and then Scully, she gets her, um, lab tests back and she's like, this is impossible. Like this says that, uh, you know, the, the, the baby has like three weird set, like it's. I didn't quite understand. It was like science genetic it's talk. A, basically, but... it's um, it's the uh, it's basically the genetic code mm. is identical. Like, there's all these markers. Yeah, and they're exactly the same across the board, which is virtually impossible. Like with all the, with all the ticks of like all the inbreed like diseases and yeah, everything. and so Mulder and like, puts this is impossible. Mulder puts forth the idea of like could all three of them be the baby's father at once and Scully again is just like no like that's just not a thing. Uh we find out later kind of it kind of is a thing not in the but it's horrific. There's also this weird scene in there uh, that doesn't make a ton of sense where we realize, well, it, it, do, it, it doesn't make sense when it happens, but it makes sense later uh, where we, we realize that Mrs. Peacock is still alive and she's just under the bed because she tells the boys, you know, they take all their clothes off and she inspects them. And is like, you look fine, boys. And, and is like, you know, we always knew this day would come. Like, they'd try to come take us away from our home. And, you know, gives them a whole speech about not wanting things to change. And, and not letting them come and do anything. And she sends them off. I think that actually happens right before they go kill the sheriff, actually, now that I think about it. No, that happens That happens afterwards. Oh, okay. Uh yeah, that happens like right before the three of them show up because they kill him, and then Fox is talking about as like, well, we need to get over there, we need to take care of this, but they're like, and the deputy's like, no, the three of us can take him on because we have guns. That's right. Uh, that's right. They cuts, go. Yeah. That's right. That is right before they go over there that that happens, and they go over there. Um, and they still think they don't know that. Uh, Mrs. Peacock is alive. They still think there's a hostage in the house. So they go over there. They wait for all the boys to like go outside to take care of their pigs. And the sheriff tries to, or not the sheriff. Well, he, I guess the, the acting sheriff, the deputy, he tries to go in, but like at the last second, Scully's looking through her binoculars and realizes there's a booby trap and tries to warn him, but she's too late. And when he goes to open the door, he gets decapitated. <laughs> it's brutal like uh and that was right before they left the house because then all three of them just jumped on the deputy and started just mauling him to death while um fox was talking about uh was reiterating a hyena documentary he watched the other night about alphas making sure he's dead uh yeah even though he has no they, head he, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just make sure 
they're making sure he's dead. Well, they are the product of like inbreeding since the Civil War. They probably ain't too bright. In fact, yeah. none of them speak. I don't even know how the mother manages to speak, honestly. Um, so then Mulder and Scully go and they let the pigs out, basically. They're like, we got, we got to get in the house, but the boys, they're going to notice if we try to get in the house. So we got to create this distraction and they go and they let all the pigs out. And so the boys go to chase the pigs and Mulder and Scully go in and they find Mrs. Peacock under the bed. And it's actually a really good scene because Mulder is still under the impression that she is, has been assaulted and tortured in some way and is under the bed because she's screaming and he's like, no, no, like, it's okay. You're safe. Like, we're here to help you. Like, don't worry. We're going to get you out of here. We're going to get you home. And suddenly Scully notices a picture and is like, Mulder, she is home. This is Mrs. Peacock. And Mrs. Peacock has no arms and no legs. And for some reason that isn't explained, lives under the bed strapped to a board on wheels. Um, yeah, very weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Mrs. Peacock basically explains to them, like, well... Actually, that happens in a second. She doesn't explain to Mulder. She explains to Scully because they go to, um, they, she's been breeding with her boys and that's where the baby came from and yada, yada. But, uh, Mulder goes to watch the window and the boys realize that there's somebody in the house and they run in, you know, and they start running in and, and. No, I got it backwards again. She tells them, okay, I, I screwed up. Yeah, I got, so I got back yeah, up. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Well, basically after they realize that she's like the mom, Mulder goes out to go see where to keep an eye on. Right. And then Scully says convince. something to her about pain. You know, are, are you yeah. in any kind of pain? And she says, no, can't, I, I can't feel any pain. It runs in the family. Nobody feels pain. And Scully goes, even after your car accident. And she's like, no, I just, the, the boys got me. They brought me back here. They cut my arms and legs off. And it, it was, you know, no big deal. Like we learned this back during the, you know, it's been passed down in our family since the civil war. And then the boys come in and there's a big fight with, with lots of shooting and hitting and everything, but the boys can't feel pain. So the gunfire doesn't really stop them because they don't know that. And, oh, and yeah, we find out that the scene where they all strip naked was, she says she has to check them every day to make sure they're not injured. Cause obviously yeah. if you can't feel pain, you might not know you're injured, you know? Um, and, uh, during this fight, one of the brothers is finally shot to death. And then the other brother tries to chase Scully down the hall, but she like trips him or he jumps at her and she moves out of the way. She, she falls and he jumps over her and she moves out of the way and trips a wire. And he trips and a wire he and he gets him in the back. Yeah. He gets impaled by this big spike that they had. Uh, that was another booby trap. And, that's when they realize that the third brother, he has taken the mother and run off. And they put out, uh, 
you know, the all points bulletin and everything because they're already gone. Uh, it was the oldest son who apparently, okay, I got to put this. The oldest son was his brother's, his two brother's father, yes. which is also how it is possible that all three of the Peacock's boys DNA markers and whatnot could show up in the deformed baby because basically they all are that inbred. That is because science, because science and gross. Um, (laughs) And the episode just ends with this, this oldest brother. He is, you know, it's a pit. It goes around their big white Cadillac and it's playing wonderful, wonderful. And Mrs. Peacock with her voice like this. She talks like this. And she's telling a boy that nothing can keep the peacocks down. There's going to be more peacocks. We have to find a new place to call home. And he gets out of the trunk. She's in the tr- So I don't know if they were having sex in the trunk, which gross. Um, or what? happened he was just hiding yeah he could but the car was on with the lights on so maybe they were just but But the car was was... thing that was mentioned but there was the thing mentioned earlier in the by the sheriff that says yeah this place is just littered with cars that are just abandoned and that's true really gets done about it yeah that's true so you probably just hiding in there and they drive off basically the implication being that if they don't get caught they're just gonna go keep doing this somewhere else and that's home and that's a great way to not get nightmares yeah what'd you think of this episode buddy i i really liked it uh like we like we talked about before it reminded me a lot of texas chainsaw massacre and mm-hmm. very much specifically the hills have eyes too mm-hmm. uh i mean the hills have eyes in general but hills have eyes too with actual inbreeding um i thoroughly enjoyed everything about it i like the way it was shot and how they kind of uh they 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 tried to tip the edge of how much they can get away with on cable tv uh mm-hmm before the rating systems came along. Yep. Uh, I give this a solid A. Yeah, I agree. I didn't, I didn't hide it. Um, this episode's wicked good, even though I don't watch it a lot. Cause it is, it's the best way to describe this episode is kind of a word actually that Kim Manners used describing wonderful, wonderful. And that's just, it's icky. It's the same reason it's I very icky. It's the same reason that like I like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I don't watch it very much. It's just like a dirty feeling you get when you, which it's good horror. Like it is really good horror. There's no monsters or anything in it. It's just this. And plus, like I also talked about a little bit and I told everybody to go do some more reading on it's really like politically, which is a weird thing to say about this, but it is really politically kind of a relevant commentary on this sort of backwards thinking on a lot of 
quote-unquote traditional American values and what that actually means. So it's also just kind of a thought-provoking episode. Um, Top-tier X-Files. Uh, so yeah, I also give this one a really good, uh, probably an A plus for me, which is, uh, makes next week's episode all the more unfortunate to come right off this high and yes. go right into next week's episode, which is titled Taliko. And it's, I'm. I'm just going to apologize to everybody right now to come. It's, and I'm going to apologize to you. It's it's not going to be an easy sit because it's just not good. I remember this one not as well, but I just even looking at the episode, uh, looking at the picture that came up when I opened the Wikipedia page for it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I will go into it with an open mind and and we'll see what happens but i have a feeling i know where what's about to happen oh yeah all right in terms of emotion yeah all right that'll do it for this week catch everybody later (laughs) later The FBI's Most Unwanted is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment and is part of the Atomic Geekdom Network. Find the flagship Two Broke Geeks podcast wherever you download podcasts or online at twobrokegeeks.com. You can find the Atomic Geekdom Network at atomicgeekdom.com. Our artwork is by Justin Kowalski. You can find him on Twitter at J underscore Rocka. Our theme music is by Tony Longworth. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Longworth or on Facebook, Tony Longworth, Dark Composer. You can help out the podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. Thanks. Thanks.